0: time to cream
1: <laughs> it is not time to cream it's time to cream it's emily. hi taylor <laughs> hi emily
0: it's time to cream <laughs> i want to go home but i'm already here. yeah sorry that's why i always say that uh, we should record at your place because uh, you can't fucking leave <laughs> <laughs> it gives me it gives me a lot of power it does it gives you too much power it, arguably too much we're back mm. It's episode 105. Yeah. Do you want a cream? <laughs> no, not like this. <laughs> so, I, so I bought a couple of creamy, <sighs> dreamy drinks. Um, one of my favorite podcasts right now is doing Creamy, Dreamy Summer. Um, dreamy, Creamy Summer? Yeah. It's called Knowledge Fight. Everybody should listen to it. But um, I'm also, I wanted to, like, live that truth, but with drinks. <sighs> so we got the rebel I'm so,
1: okay so anyone who's been here remembers how the alcohol
0: coffee went the last time alcohol that was pbr coffee yeah. this is not the same as that this is like this is this this might be good that was made by pbr
1: yeah which i already don't like i've never been a piper no. girl it's, i mean i
0: drink a lot of it but it's not good no <laughs> it never was this is rebel hard coffee limited edition s'mores hard latte I'm hoping because they they sound like they're a coffee maker first. You want me to give it a shot and just uh-huh. tell you? Okay. Alright. I don't get s'mores out of that. Like at all. Um, it's like a mocha. It doesn't actually taste very much like anything that has alcohol in it. Like maybe on the back end a little bit. Ah! It's only 5% alcohol. Um, so that's probably why. But... Uh, I just want to get so creamy in here, and I really appreciate you going on this journey with me. She's thinking. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Did you have to catch the booze? No, I
1: found the marshmallow. Oh. See him?
0: I don't get a ton of it. It's
1: the sugar burn at the very end.
0: Sure. On the roof of your mouth. Yeah.
1: That tastes artificial. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I As I, most marshmallows do.
0: I, yes, that's true. I mean, it, it it's true to the marshmallow in that case. I don't get any graham cracker. Yeah, I, I don't understand is, how to
1: get graham cracker.
0: I think that's what we're missing out of the, this as far Unless as Unless that's be. just the color. Right. It's like, it's like, the like, color well. of graham cracker and then shut the fuck up. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's not the worst thing I've ever put in my mouth.
0: Thank you. Honestly, from you, that's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pretty good. <laughs> But I did get some things that you do actually like, in addition. Yeah, yeah. We are gonna start with the, uh, the (laughs) Chi-Chi's. Because, as Emily pointed out, (laughs) Chi-Chi's is no longer a restaurant, but is making specialty drinks, um, out of tiny bottles. Tiny bottles. And we, we got the Chi-Chi's Mexican Mudslide. And it's
1: dangerous.
0: Is it? Yeah. this one's legit good.
1: Yeah. It's 12.5% alcohol. That is nuts. And
0: That's too it's much. Just we're doing a science experiment. We sure are. I'm I'm like passing beakers back and <laughs> forth. Small explosions are happening. <gasps> Emily's mic is falling down. We're doing an incredible job. We are. Dink it. Ooh. Ooh that was a good one. I love yeah. jars for that.
1: Yeah, what I... jar is that by the way. It's um, so fucking cute. It was a pesto jar.
0: Mm. Fancy pesto. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh my God. I just took a drink of that. You did? You took a big drink? It's so much more alcoholic so than the much other one. It's more alcoholic. It's got the same creaminess yeah. and then it just hits you in the yeah. face with like vodka flavor. Yeah.
1: It's like they just dumped 151 in Bailey's.
0: <laughs> That's true. It really, it's it's good. It is good, but it would fuck you up. It will fuck us up. Oh yeah. And then for later in the episode, we have the Chi-Chi's. Once again, we'll want to put ice in that? Not sponsored. Yeah. Long Island iced tea. Yes, we should put ice in this one. We should probably put ice in this.
1: It's better cold too. But
0: I mean, we can. But I'm I'm it's not worried about it. <laughs> it's I don't mind having fine. it's fine. A little bit of pain. You could even combine these. I feel like, and it would probably be I right.
1: Okay, do you remember what happened when I started combining things in the PBR? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, the last time, when you had the PBR, you were trying to make it better. Yeah. This, both of these are fine with me. Do you think I'll make it worse or better by combining them? I don't know. Find out. Okay. I'm gonna fuck around. Yeah. We'll find out.
1: Okay. You let me know it's how just, your cream on cream on cream goes. They
0: are exactly the same color. Yeah. They look like the same drink. Yeah. I actually love that. Okay. Like, it yeah, balances it out. Cool. Here we go. Yeah, it's like the bite is less, but it still tastes alcoholic, so it feels like we're drinking it for a purpose. Um, I believe it's my turn this time. It is. To go first. We are this. doing okay. an odd,
1: so you go first.
0: Yes, thank you. Awesome. All right, I have some memories. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't appreciate you laughing at me I say that true fact <laughs> of a real thing. <laughs>
1: I have some memories. Okay, buddy. <laughs> All
0: right, we're gonna. We're going historical. Ooh. We, lo- we know we love it. Yeah. I like you will find this interesting. I will find this interesting. God, I hope other people find this interesting. Cool. <laughs> we'll just see. It's the best. So. The cities of Halifax and Dartmouth sit across a bay from each other in Nova Scotia, Canada. I wish the cat was here. This is my second fucking Canada story in wow. a row. Wow. I know. So it's two cities that are on either side of a bay. The bay houses Halifax Harbor, which consists of, it's like a big basin where ships dock and they load and unload their cargo for the war effort because it is World War I Ah, right now. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's 1917. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. So this is, it's kind of a big deal. Ships coming in and out of here. And then leading into the, out of that basin and into it is a small strait called the Narrows. And that's just, like, you got to get through the Narrows to get out into the ocean. Uh-huh. Regular shit. Halifax Harbor is a vital harbor in the war effort. It's, like, where sure. they stop between New York and then, like, head off to Europe. They stop in Halifax a lot of the time. So it's kind of a big deal. Even though, like, the two surrounding towns only have, like, combined 65,000 people. Mm. That's... Like probably okay for nineteen seventeen, but it's not like a huge city by any means. It's like means. the
1: crabbing hub in Alaska that <laughs> doesn't have that many people, but there are yeah. so many people that come in and out.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like most of the people you see there are there for the day and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Um, it is the morning of Thursday, December sixth, uh-huh. nineteen seventeen. I'm you're, so concerned. You're already looking really concerned. Yeah. Because whenever I talk like this, I think I'm about, I usually am about to say something really terrible. Yep. Um, I have three people to talk about and I'm going to like bounce to them and then we're going to talk about the incident and I'll bounce back to them.
1: Is there a cow that gets stuck? There is no story. cow. Okay.
0: Um, but that type of story is like you're thinking correctly. Okay. Frank you Baker. The same tone. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Baker is a sailor. For the Royal Navy, and uh, he has already stowed his hammock away for the day. He's eating breakfast with his crewmates on the HMCS Arcadia. Okay. I think it's just Arcadia. Um, their ship inspectors, like that's what their thing is. They sit in the harbor and they inspect ships for contraband for spies and saboteurs because it's a war. There's a war going on.
1: There's a war.
0: Have you, have you heard of it?
1: The Great War.
0: <laughs> the Great War. There's,
1: Not one. There's only one of them. There's only one so
0: far. Yeah, we don't know about that other one. <laughs> but, there, but there are no ships that they need to inspect that day. <laughs> so it is bound to be like a tedious day of like busy work. I think they're yeah. painting the ship. Oh. <laughs> so that's fun.
1: That's, yeah. Yeah. That's less exciting.
0: Number two. Kay Chapman is on land in her hometown of Halifax. She's a five-year-old girl. And her four brothers and sisters have just left home to walk to school for the day. And Kay is still too young to join them. So she stays home. And she, I swear to God, she collects her Bible and her hymn book. And she's just going to play Sunday school. That's the game she's going to play is learn about God. Like, I can't (laughs) believe. Like, what a sweet, innocent, early 1900s child. (laughs) It sounds so boring. Anyway, she's about to do that. And then number three. Railway dispatcher Vincent Coleman says goodbye to his wife and their two-year-old daughter Eileen, and he heads to work in a, in the northern neighborhood of Halifax, um, which is known as Richmond. Just maybe remember that. Um, he works in like a small wooden rail st- station that is just a few feet from the harbor, and it is at this moment, for all three of them, just after nine a.m. That, like, the whole world explodes. Like, everything, all of it, forever.
1: Do you want to know something crazy? Um, yes. I almost did this story.
0: Really? Uh-huh. For this one? Uh, or... <laughs> so how much did you look into it?
1: Not a ton. Good. I watched a documentary, but it was when I was watching mm-hmm. 80 documentaries. Mm-hmm. So I remember vague.
0: Sure, sure. You may... When, when I, I say certain things, dig you'll probably... Into
1: survivors or anything like that
0: okay all right good (laughs) so you kind of know you kind of know what's about to happen it's not good no um okay super super not good it's maybe the most not good yeah um so it's not the whole world doesn't really explode but i think it probably feels like it to everybody involved yeah the our first person mentioned sailor frank baker he writes he's like the only Written account that happened on the day, like he's the only person who wrote anything down on the day. So, I mean, there was a lot going on. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Can't believe he wrote anything. Yeah, to be honest, but he's a military man. And he was, you know, taking his notes. So, Inspector. Yeah, Mister Inspector.
1: Gotta take notes.
0: He said, uh, "We had just drawn soap and powder and the necessary utensils for cleaning paintwork when the most awful explosion I ever heard or ever want to hear again occurred." So, keep Frank and Kay and Vincent in your mind. But in we're. And Richmond. We'll, in, and Richmond. And we'll come back to that. Okay. We are going to talk about what happened.
1: Yeah, what had happened?
0: I, what had happened was, Emily. <laughs> so, that morning, two ships with their own agendas were headed through the Narrows, which is, like I said, that little strait of water mm. that leads between the bay and the ocean. So, one ship was empty and it was leaving Halifax Harbor for New York. So it could resupply. And it was called the Emo, which, not E-M-O, I-M-O, Emo. E-M-O. <laughs> I know, I picture, like, an Emo kid every yeah. time. Yeah.
1: It's got side sweat bangs at the front.
0: Absolutely, it
1: does. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Choppy cut. Mm-hmm.
1: Bad cut. It's spiky job. in the back. Yep.
0: It hates its stepdad. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the second ship is called the Mont Blanc. And it was just loaded up in New York, and it is headed into Halifax Harbor, carrying. Emily, do you remember what it's carrying?
1: Things that go
0: boom. Yeah. That
1: were poorly packed.
0: Yeah, like a lot of explosives, yeah. like so a block explosives. Yeah. It is crazy. It's got TNT. Uh huh. Pyric acid. Don't know what that is, but it's an uh, acid that go boom. Yeah. Gun cotton, which I had never heard of before, but it's more shit that go boom.
1: Yeah. then when you had to load weapons. Yes.
0: And then a highly flammable solution called Benzo, um, which is, like, kept in barrels above the deck, latched to the deck, because that's the only place they had room for it. That's how full of shit this this ship is, and all that shit is- Yeah, they're going to war! Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's explosives and ammunition for the war- like, they could just loaded Could have split, split up. that
1: into two ships, probably. Maybe. Maybe. Should have. Probably should have.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think after this, they probably looked a lot at how they packed the ship and how oh, much yeah. they packed it with. Overall, it was 2,925 tons of high explosives. I didn't even know you could have a ship full of that much shit and have it, like, float. <laughs> it's 2,000 tons. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I mean, if you look
1: at, like... Cargo ships with mm-hmm. all the containers stacked on it. That's true. I'm, I'm, where it's like a barge instead of a fucking
0: ship. Right. It must be a pretty big boat. hmm Overall.
1: That narrow must be not be that narrow.
0: It's, yeah. Like, it's the narrowest part of the thing, but it's not super narrow. It's a big enough area, for sure, that a lot of ships come and go. So, we're talking about the Emo, and we're talking about the Mont Blanc. So, both of these ships are running late, it turns out.
1: Oh, my God.
0: The Emo was trying to leave the harbor and the Mont Blanc was trying to enter it. They had tried to do so the night before. But at a certain point in the night, they raise what's called submarine nets in the harbor because everybody's worried about German U-boats. As they should be. As they absolutely should be. (laughs) They're terrifying. So they would raise these nets every night to stop U-boats from coming in. And that also meant, though, that you could not, no ships could pass through the strait. So both of them are stuck. The emo stuck inside. The Mont Blanc, stuck outside for the entire night. The Mont Blanc is full of explosives. I don't think those guys wanted to be on that boat anymore. Nope. <laughs> They're like, get us the fuck out of here. So Especially when they-
1: on the wrong side of oh, yeah. the fence.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, on the side where the U-boat could still get you. Yeah. <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: I agree. It's not great. So the next morning, as soon as they are able to, both of those ships take off. Yeah. For their destinations. Fair. We're going to start with the Emo- so the emo, you're supposed to go at like five knots through the strait. No, no, fa- like no faster than that. And that's like honestly like a brisk walking mm-hmm. pace. You can keep pace with a five knot boat. The emo was like, no, we're gonna go a little faster than that. We have time to make up. We fucked up. Naughty. Yeah, it's not great. Um, could have been okay though. Really could have been okay. So the first problem that it encounters is the emo sees a ship in its lane headed toward it. Like, it's just a random ship. It's just the first ship it sees that day, but it's headed down the wrong side of the strait. Just like in a car, you have a lane you're supposed to stay in. It's a British ship. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was (laughs) like, maybe it's from another country where the lanes are opposite. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's the case for ships. It really shouldn't be. But like- I feel like that should be universal. Yes. Because those ships are in international waters and meeting each other all the time. This one's fucking up. This guy didn't know what he was doing. So the emo has to move aside. In order to not have a problem with this ship. So he moves, uh, the captain of the Emo moves the ship into the middle of the strait. Not all the way over, just in the middle. But then, almost immediately, as that boat is still passing them, another boat, a tugboat, not huge, but not tiny, is right in the middle of the fucking strait. So it's right in front of them again. And they, they haven't had enough time to pass the first ship. For him to move the the emo into his original lane again. So instead they have to move to the far lane. So now they're in the wrong side. They're in oncoming traffic essentially. And they're going faster than they should be. And wouldn't you know it. The third ship that the emo encounters is the Mont Blanc. And they're on their way in on the correct side. Going probably a little bit faster also than they should have been. But there's a protocol for this. Ships can see each other, like, at least a mile away. Mm-hmm. And it's at about they're 0.7. They're big. Yeah, they're big fucks. And, like, the, you know, the ocean is flat until it's curved. <laughs> like, you can see them. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's so... really no
1: surprises on the surface of the
0: ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, there's all there's an entire language for signaling, like, between ships. Yeah. You can talk.
1: Yeah. Honk, and... honk, 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 honk.
0: Honk, 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 honk. Honk, Maybe... choo, choo. Yeah, Yeah. Maybe you're flashing lights. A lot of it does have to do with like
1: sounding something a certain number of times.
0: Yes, flags. So the ships are 0.75 miles apart. Just under a mile apart. When they see each other and they signal, being like, hi, we're both here. That's not great. The Mont Blanc has the right-of-way. Because it's their fucking side of the lane. And they say so, using their little toot-toots. And for unknown reasons... Maybe just because they were running late and their captain was a tightwad. I don't know. But the emo says, yeah, we're not going to move. And the Mont Blanc is like, okay, well, I'm okay. And the captain cuts the engines and orders a move to starboard, which I believe is to the right, if I'm thinking Mm -hmm. correctly. Thank you. Um, You can
1: remember it because port has four letters and left has four letters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So he orders a move to the starboard, just a, just a little one, because once you move a boat a little bit, oh, it yeah, tends it to drift. Much. It oh. doesn't take much. Yeah. And he and he sends another signal to the emo saying, just, you also move to starboard a little bit. That's all we have to do. We can just pass each other, like, two ships in the night, but uh-huh. in the day. Yeah. And he gets another signal back from the emo that says no. So we don't know what happened there, oh, but the emo, emo was like, them. how very emo of them. Yeah. You're not my fucking stepdad. (laughs) Fuck you. You don't understand me. (laughs) So this is a problem. Yeah, there's still a big problem. Yeah, at this point, like now, the emos just kind of moving in a way that would cut off the Mont Blanc, which is not ideal. The Mont Blanc knows it's full of explosives. It knows it can't just run into stuff. They think about running it aground to avoid this, but they're like, we can't, we can't do that either, because we might explode some shit, knock
1: some things. Off of things yeah. and make things go boom.
0: Yeah, they know. So they're like, okay. Both ships head toward each other for another worrying minute or two. They're getting closer. They're getting closer. Neither is moving aside. Finally, the Emo's captain cuts the engines too. They, bu- they must have both been like, this actually isn't great. So they cut the engines. Neither of them have any engines. They are just drifting now. But still toward each other because that's how momentum works. And the Mont Blanc, at the last moment possible takes a hard move to port to the left to try to cross the uh, around the emo this takes it by this point like slightly across the bow of the emo but like could have missed it they this could have worked because it was done at just the right moment that like maybe they really could have just barely like a few inches between them passed by each other except the emo isn't done fucking up I'm mad about the emo in this. Because I, I, to be fair to them, I understand, I think, the logic behind what this is. Because what happens next is that the emo reverses engines. That's like a three toot signal. And it reduce, re- reverses their engines, which I understand. Like, he's probably trying to get the boat out of the way of the Mont Blanc, which is now crossing in front of it. So he's like, uh, let me just back up for you, buddy. Let me give you a little bit of room. Unfortunately. Wait. Yep. Now you know how when you back up in your car and your wheels are turned the wrong way mm-hmm. and your the front end starts going away you didn't anticipate and you have to correct? Mm-hmm. Well the back propeller on the right side of the emo is faced the wrong direction. So when they reverse engines, the nose of the emo swings around and smashes into the Mont Block. <laughs> like I if I was the Mont Blanc's captain, I would have been like, I was already doing a thing! You fucked it up! <laughs> I was doing it. It was going to work. I can't believe you just smashed into my boat. (laughs) You motherfucker. I'll kill you. Like, I would have been so mad.
1: I mean, technically. I mean. I mean.
0: uh, Let's keep going, shall we? Yeah. So, the problem is now that, like, they don't even have time to be mad, I'm sure. What they have time to be is very, very scared on the Mont Blanc. The emo doesn't know what it's done. The emo doesn't know what the ship is or what it's full of. So, it's a really slow collision. They're going one knot, which is 1.15 miles an hour. It's very slow. But, it is enough to knock over some of those barrels of benzol that I mentioned at the beginning. And those barrels splash highly flamm- flammable, basically like a motor oil, mm-hmm. um, all over the Mont Blanc's deck. And that might have been okay too. It might have, because it's just oil. You have to spark it to get it to ignite. Except, after all of this happened, that's splashing all around. The two ships are still trying to get past each other. And the Emo's engines kick in, uh. going forward. And it scrapes its side against yeah. the Mont Blanc side. And they're both metal. Mm-hmm. And sparks fly. And it just ignites. The whole top of the Mont Blanc. It's on fire in, like, a second. I'm sure if, if I was the captain of the emo dude, <laughs> I would have been like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what have I... He doesn't have time to be worried about no. it for all that long, though. <laughs> it's fine. Because
1: the thing with 2,000 tons of explosives. The thing about it please. is... Uh... At immediate point of impact, no one's walking away from that.
0: It's really, yeah, it's really a problem. So, again, the Mont Blanc knows exactly what's happening. Yeah. They're the only ones, in fact. So, like, not only do they feel like they have to get the fuck out of there, they also have to warn everybody. So the captain orders the, immediate, uh, the crew to immediately abandon ship. Yeah. And they, they take all of their lifeboats and they start paddling to shore, some to one side on Dartmouth. Dartmouth side and want some to the Halifax side. They are closer to Halifax, so most of them head that way. They are screaming at the shore because by this point, a lot of people are outside. <laughs> they're looking.
1: Yeah, at the ship's on fire. Yeah,
0: the two boats just smishy smashed, and then one of them is on fire now. Everybody's at their window. Everybody's outside. People are on the- people on the other boats are looking. Yeah, and the- these sailors are screaming like, "Get the fuck out of yeah. here!" It's really bad, but they're all screaming. And no one can understand them because it's too much and they're too far away. And they're all rowing towards shore.
1: I would not be rowing. I would have jumped out of the boat to get under the (laughs) waterline. I mean,
0: honestly, I'm sure some of them do that. Um, They have a bit of time. I will say that. Once the ship is abandoned, the Mont Blanc just drifts Mm. in the the narrows for a while. And it ends up beaching itself on the Halifax side of the narrows. Right next to the neighborhood of Richmond. Um and then at 9:04 a.m. we knew this was coming. The fire reaches the dynamite below deck, it explodes. The whole ship like liquefies, fucking vaporizes. There is no ship left. No. It is the largest explosion mankind has ever created to this point and would remain so until the first detonation of the atomic bomb. That's how big this fucking explosion was. We weren't even trying to do it, yeah. but it's crazy huge. The blast wave initially moved at a rate outward from the ship at a thousand meters per second. Jesus. I don't even know what that means. A thousand meters per second. <laughs> That's very fast.
1: You can't outrun that.
0: No, there's no, you can't <laughs> even, see that.
1: Even if they got everybody <laughs> evacuated.
0: Mm-hmm. You can't it's still it's it's like it's too fast and it did happen too fast. They had 15 minutes from the the boat starting on fire to it exploding and nobody knew how bad it was going to be. There was no saving most people who were right in the direct line. This this shockwave radiates out over the town of Halifax over Dartmouth as well, even though it's slightly further away. Um, it damages everything f- within Within a half mile, it's obliterated. Like, oh, everything yeah. is flattened. All the houses, every brick building, every tree, it's flat. Half of it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Like, it's its vaporized. And for miles and miles beyond that, there's there's damage, like, structural damage to thousands of buildings. The foundations are cracked. Buildings have twisted on their foundations. And, like, whole walls have come down. Like, no. crazy shit. People on the sea 150 miles away heard it. 150 miles away were like, what the fuck was that? People on land felt the shockwave 300 miles away. So, white hot shards of iron fell from the sky. That's just the ship liquefying. (laughs) And, And it fell from the sky on both Halifax and Dartmouth and on all of the boats in the bay. The anchor, this is my favorite fact, the anchor of the Mont Blanc, which is huge, that's a big ship, yeah. big anchor, it weighed half a ton. It was launched into the air and it landed two miles away in the Armdale neighborhood of Halifax. Just another area of town. <laughs> Good God. These are the pictures of the smoke. Um, These are called, um, like, pyrocumulus or something. Oh, yeah. Like, it makes a cloud. Yeah. It's a real cloud.
1: Yeah. It looks like a fist
0: it does it looks like it's fisting the sky with yeah. rage um it's not great it's not a great look i would look it up though it's it's kind of interesting it's so, up. so that's bad yeah it's real bad let's get back to our survivors
1: uh-huh
0: so frank baker
1: was shocking when i first saw this i'm like how no one survived this I mean, absolutely no one survived this. yeah like, like
0: the fact that there is anyone yeah. is nuts it's just the fact that, like, the town was just spread out enough. And, like, it, it shows sort of a radius of effect. There's a map on the Wikipedia that shows, like, where everything was really, really damaged, like, gone. And that was, like, a third of the whole city. Yeah. And the rest of it was heavily damaged. But, like, people, people managed to live. It's crazy.
1: It's insane. That's absolutely insane. I
0: know. It's fucking nuts. So people like Frank Baker, who was in the bay. So that doesn't make sense to me. But here he is. He said, quote, The first thud shook the ship from stem to stern, and the second one uh, seemed to spin all of us around, landing some crew members under the gun carriage and others flying in all directions all over the deck. Our first impression was that we were being attacked by submarines, because that's the first thing everyone thinks. (laughs) And we were all rushed to the upper deck where we saw a veritable mountain of smoke of a yellowish hue and huge pieces of iron were flying all around us. Frank goes on to tell about the destruction of his own ship because all that shrapnel mm-hmm. flying onto their ship pierces the hull. It shatters the glass in the engine room. It, it causes fires to burst out in their coal storage. It is, it is not long until literally every ship in the bay is on fire. So he tells, um, of a, there's a small tugboat that's also alongside their ship that is ripped in half just by shrapnel. Miraculously, none of his crew are injured. Wow, I know, like everybody Damn. just managed to avoid all that stuff, and only three people on the tugboat are injured. Oh. One of them, though, he said he's he's got like a two pound hunk out of his leg. He lives though. Hmm. Um, ow, yeah, ow, fuck no, no fuck, uh, uh-uh. he. He talks about, like, this hail of shrapnel, then, that descended into the water about 20 yards from the ship that was so big that it probably would have sunk their ship and probably could have killed people, but it just managed to miss them. Mm. They got very lucky. After the explosion, as the smoke cleared all around the bay, Frank sees complete devastation. Like, every ship, like I said, is on fire. One ship was tossed 400 yards to the shore, and there are dead bodies strewn around it. Quote, The northwest part of Halifax was in total ruins and fires were springing up all over the city. Part of the railway was completely demolished and everywhere were dead and dying among the ruins. When we arrived at the hospital, the windows were all blown out and the wards were two feet deep in water owing to all the pipes having burst. Not good for a hospital. Bad conditions for a hospital. Mm -hmm we had to return to our ship as quickly as possible as we are the guard ship and responsible for the safety of the other vessels in the harbor. Okay, but what if
1: there aren't any other vessels in the harbor anymore?
0: For real. (laughs) Or, like, I mean, then you're just the one that has to put out all the fires and, like, save every fucking person on all of those ships. Ugh. So what follows, obviously, is a really terrible day. For everyone, but for Frank, because, like, he is in charge of keeping so many people safe and they're not safe. So everywhere he goes, there's fire and screaming, both on the ships and on land. He said he saw children wandering the street looking for their parents, parents looking for their children who had been on their way to school when the blast hit. No one was unaffected. The military was dispatched partially to help, but also because they still fucking thought they had just been attacked by the Germans. So they, they wasted time preparing for an attack that was never going to come until everybody figured out what had actually happened. Cause it was all word of mouth and a lot of people who saw what happened died. <laughs> so it's hard to get like word out. Eventually when the soldiers realized like, Oh, we're not being attacked. Let's go help some people. They were dispatched to just sort of, they started building makeshift hospitals and, and relief centers for people and bringing the sick um, and, and injured into those areas. And then, Frank and his people were helping to haul the dead and charred bodies out of these neighborhoods. Some people were so charred, it's like they couldn't identify them. Most people were not identifiable. Quote, We returned to our ship at 11pm, sick at heart, with the appalling misery with which the city abounded. On sea and land, nothing but misery, death, and destruction. I cannot help but marvel that we escaped. I agree. Yeah. I feel like he should not have. No. He was very close. Yeah. Um, number two. Oh, God. Kay Chapman is the five-year-old girl who was left at home. Uh-huh. She's playing Sunday school. Her siblings have gone outside to walk to school. She decides at the last second, instead of playing in the living room, she's going to go play out back. So she is in the doorway of her back door when the explosion hits. And she believes that that is what saved her life. If she yep. had been in the living room... Oh, no. That it would, have, would have collapsed on her. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. So she goes flying. She ends up near her front door. Ooh. um, In between, like, two entryway doors. Um, She narrowly avoids, like, hitting, like, there's a crumbling chim- chimney that's throwing shrapnel everywhere. The stove has come flying off the wall. Um, She just lays there crying.
1: Yeah. She's five.
0: Yeah. For real. Yeah. Like, she's shocked, I'm yeah. sure. But thankfully, not crazy injured. That's good. Um and she she finally hears her mother screaming from the kitchen. Yes. Her mother is three months pregnant. Oh God. And she is pinned beneath a hutch. But, oh. Yeah. But she's five. K is so she can't do anything. She doesn't do anything. No. Eventually her mom gets her own ass out of there. She's strong woman. And um, well
1: hutches are heavy. Yeah. Not impossible to move.
0: I mean I'm sure you got that adrenaline. It's,
1: yeah. It's Your baby's crying. Fucking heavy. Yeah. Ow.
0: So, so yeah. So she calls to Kay, wherever you are, stay and don't move, which is good advice, especially for a five-year-old who might go crawling through debris to try to get to you.
1: Don't run off in case, especially if they think it's an attack. If there's going to be a second wave.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think that was like one main thing throughout all these stories was everybody thought there'd be another attack. Yeah. Which, thank God there wasn't. So eventually your mom frees herself. She's able to crawl to Kay and then... Kay recalls her mother just holding her and they sit in silence in the doorway for a long time because there's nothing they can do. They don't know what to do.
1: They're in shock.
0: Yeah. And, uh, she says, quote, the neighbors all come screaming out of their houses too. We had to stand where we were because if we went outside, we would have died because everything was electrified. Like this is a a little girl's thought being relayed by a very old woman. Mm. So it's a really interesting way of putting things. Um, all you saw were people bleeding here, bleeding there, somebody holding somebody. I saw an awful lot of people holding their animals that were hurt Aww. and things like that. I know, that's so sad. I hope all the dogs and cats were okay. They I aren't. know they weren't. <laughs> I just want to think that. Ugh. Fortunately for Kay's whole family, like, her siblings had been running late to school that day. Oh. They never made it when the blast hit. They were underneath, like, a veranda outside on the street, and they were relatively uninjured. Wow. Like, they just didn't get hit with shit. Wow. Crazy. Probably knocked off their feet oh, onto yeah. their asses Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. If they had made it to the school, they might have been killed because the school took heavy damage and was closer to the blast. So it was way good that they were running, like, 15 minutes late. Um. Also, her mother's pregnancy was unaffected, and Kay's little sister was born the following June. <laughs> So, good. really good for them. They're good. maybe the least affected people you will find. Oh, God. The day after the explosion, while everybody was still reeling, because it, because it can get worse, and it will, oh. <laughs> a yep. snowstorm blew through and covered everything in a foot of snow. Because this is Canada. And it was December. Not good for rescue efforts. Not good for supplies getting there from other cities. Via what? Train? Boat? It, they're all fucked. There's a snowstorm. So there's a
1: snowstorm and the train station got blown up.
0: I mean, for real. At least half of it is blown up. And there's
1: probably so much shrapnel mm. in the Littering. strait and in the bay
0: mm-hmm.
1: that any boat coming in runs the risk of having their hull ripped open. Yeah,
0: I think you're right. Like, it's just, it's a very dangerous endeavor. Like they
1: have endeavor. to drag the strait and the bay.
0: That's why we would airlift things in. If they had the capability to do that, they would have. I'm but not war. sure they did. Yeah. Yeah, wartime. War all their took- aircraft...
1: All of the aircraft. Yeah.
0: And our, their aircraft wasn't super sp- sophisticated as it nope. was. No. But, yeah, I imagine a lot of it was tied up. Um, so, much of the supplies and the food were delayed. Though, like, as Kay describes it, she and her family were still able to go to a relief station and get food. That's good. As they needed. Her mom, like, just, you know, stretched the food as long as she could make it stretch. Because that's what you do.
1: Great prep for the Great Depression. Mm-hmm.
0: A kind of fun fact. Oh, God. Kind of. Mm. This one's actually kind of nice. The city Mm. of Boston's supplies were some of the only supplies that made it before the storm hit. They were fast enough that their supplies, like, they were huge, a huge help. They were almost the only thing the entire city of Halifax had. So, Kay recalls her home being damaged, but that they stayed there because it was still a livable space, unlike many other places. Yeah, I
1: mean, they still probably had shelter from the Mm. snowstorm, so it's like, well...
0: Yeah, like, even if you're not supposed to stay there long-term because your foundation is cracked or whatever, That's like, fine. you can stay there for a couple days while well, that passes. We don't have any better place for you.
1: Nope.
0: So, there, she remembers there being many men who just came in and out, and they would fix things, and they would give them supplies. Like, there must have just been neighborhood men coming over oh, yeah. and helping. I don't know where her father is in this story. If he was Probably already wore. gone. Yes. Like, he, he must have been away.
1: That's why I'm surprised at the neighborhood men, because I would guess... Not a ton of them, although I don't know yeah. if Canada had
0: the draft. Yeah, I don't know if they were drafting men or not. So, either way, she they had a lot of help bringing things in. She also remembers there weren't enough beds for the family, so she slept in the middle of four wired together chairs. Oh. like People were just doing what they could. Yeah. The Chapman's family had a, was in a largely unaffected part of town. They had family in a largely unaffected part of town. So they were able to stay there for a while until they could purchase a new home. Many others were not nearly as lucky as this family. Like, yeah. their their homes were destroyed. If they had temporary relatives, they would leave town to go and live with them. And sometimes they'd have to be there for years getting back on their feet. There were others who had no such thing. And they would have to stay in a makeshift camp, basically. I think they called it, like, Halifax Commons mm-hmm. or something. It was just, like, they had to make a relief camp for everybody who was just homeless now. And, uh, I'm just glad that that didn't happen to Kay, but it happened to quite a few people. Now our third person. Vincent Coleman. You may recall, he is the railway dispatcher at the Richmond Rail Station. ruh row. Interesting.
1: right Like,
0: we've talked about, it's not great. It's not a good spot to be in. He's right off the harbor. In this neighborhood that was this is the neighborhood that was the most affected by the blast so he had just arrived at work and he relieved the night dispatcher uh-huh and he was sitting down to the telegraph i believe his boss is there too He's sitting down to the telegraph because that's what you do as a dispatcher you're just there to communicate beep, between beep, 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 yeah beep, beep. the different yeah. stations beep, beep 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 beep, telling them like is the train on time is it behind yeah. here's we're gucci happening. right now yeah and he hears a big thunk and like a scraping sound from the bay A minute later, out the window, a column of black smoke rises in the air. Because what he heard was those two ships fucking hitting each other. Mm -hmm. And now what he's seeing is the Mont Blanc on fire. And then, almost, like, another moment later, because it's been on fire for a bit before he saw it. Another moment later, a sailor bursts through the door to the station. And he is one of the only people who has made it to shore this fast he was sent by his own officer saying like you have to fucking get to shore and you have to tell as many people as you can so he says like you have to go like that ship is full of explosives it's going to blow you if you don't run now you're gonna die so Vincent the sailor and his boss bolt for the door but Vincent only makes it a few steps before he stops and he goes back into the station and he knows he only has a little bit but he sits down at the telegraph and he sends the following message. Hold up the train. Ammunition ship afire in harbor, making for Pier 6 and will explode. Guess this will be my last message. Goodbye, boys. I know. I know. Um, just an FYI, this man is not a survivor. Like, I wanted to tell his story because, like, it's really cool, but he doesn't live.
1: But he stops another train from coming in.
0: Yeah. So this message is meant to stop passenger train number 10, and there are 300 people aboard. And it is set to stop in Halifax at 8.55 a.m. It's running late, Uh, but it will be there. It could be there at any moment. He catches it at the previous station, where they hold it up for 15 minutes because of his message. And the train never, never even gets near Halifax, and he saves those people's lives. Like, those people, not only that... The person who gets his message relays the message to the another rail station and another rail station and another rail station. And all over the place, people hear that this is happening. So before the blast even goes off, people are readying supplies and relief. Like, they already know. All because Vincent could have run and decided he was going to send a message first. God. Like, it's pretty fucking cool. Like, I was like, oh my god, I have to talk about this guy because he deserves it. Yeah. Like, he hella, hella deserves it. So, Vincent Coleman was close enough to the blast that when it happened, he was killed instantly. Um, all that remained of him was his pocket watch that was found at the scene with the hands blown off. <laughs> like, it's just the watch part. It doesn't tell the time, which if it could, it would say the exact moment, probably, mm-hmm. that, it, that it went off. Um, and then his telegraph key. The little thing you use to make the boop, 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 boop. That was still intact. Those both of those things are now displayed in the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic. And miraculously, his wife and their three children survived with like moderate injuries. They lived, by the way, like the town of Halifax, like worships that, that man. <laughs> like they're like, yeah. that's our town hero. Yeah. There's Fair. another one, too. There is a man I didn't have a lot on him, but he died in. Um, trying to pull the mont blanc away from halifax in a tugboat. Like he was trying to pull it and, and he died in the blast. Like another hero, like epic shit, but obviously there's only so much you can do. So, this is the aftermath. All told, about 2000 people were killed. Yeah. <laughs> really horrible. It was- awful really really bad it's like it's the worst thing that's happened in nova scotia it's like uh, such a part of their history they still people still remember it like they they're still talking about it or not talking about it because it's too painful most just like vincent died instantly and hopefully without any pain another nine thousand people were injured thousands of homes there and in dartmouth were destroyed but they did have to rebuild much of the town from the ground up but they did do that over a thousand people this is interesting were blinded Hmm. because because of everything that was happening in the bay they were at their windows when the time at the time of the blast so the glass this is gross but it shattered in their faces and and a lot of people were blinded from that event and that actually helped create the canadian national institute for the Blind. It was a mass blinding event that meant, like, they felt like, oh, we have to help blind people. Like, we have to teach this entire group of people how to be blind. And crazily, the Halifax School for the Blind already existed and had been providing free education for blind people since 1882. So when there were a bunch of children who were blinded in town, they were ready to take them and just teach them. (laughs) It was crazy. yeah to this day the city of halifax supplies the city of boston with a christmas tree every year since 1917 because of all those supplies that they sent and how important it was and then finally kay chapman whose married name is kay mcleod um, she was one of the last surviving members of the Halifax expo- explosion. She passed away in October of 2017 at wow. the age of 105. Wow! She's also one of four separate centenarians, I think they're called, of the Halifax explosion. People who lived to be over a hundred years old, wow. who were still talking about the explosion. So, I think the last one died in 2020 at 107. Whoa crazy i don't know what it is about living in halifax at that time but you lived forever if you didn't die in that one thing
1: (laughs) maybe cat will tell us when she comes back
0: yeah right like tell us
1: what is halifax what's in the water there what's the
0: deal with nova Scotia, though (laughs) why people be living so long except for that one time it's so fucking cold it is yeah you're just preserved yeah you age slower because you're frozen yeah is that it yeah i would believe it so yeah That's the very sad but very interesting story of the Halifax explosion.
1: That was very sad.
0: It is so sad. And I am sorry, but I was like so excited. I wrote the most about how those ships hit each other because I was so excited about it. I don't know why. I was just like, that's so interesting. That was so many fuck-ups in a row. (laughs) So many things that didn't have to go wrong that went wrong also i'm pretty sure they really did change the way you pack like explosive cargo and and how much
1: they fucking had to yeah
0: there's no way you don't get to just do the same thing after something like that
1: this was the perfect storm
0: it was and that's
1: awful circumstances
0: that's why like it sucks that things like that have to happen for us to sometimes like change the rules or give a shit but like that's how that's how it goes it was war times. You could do whatever. No. Until two thousand people. Until talk. you couldn't. Yep. Ugh. Emily, do you want a harp noise? Yeah. Toot toot. <laughs> you can't toot toot.
1: I've got the clap.
0: <laughs> you heard it <laughs> here first. Emily has the clap.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. I was told, like
1: a clap. So I've got the clap. <laughs>
0: we are. We're I'm back. an adult. Emily got the clap during the harp noise. Yes. Um we got our Long Island iced tea together. It you Emily just goes, "Do you want to smell this?" and hands me the bottle like mm-hmm. she knows I'm about to have a bad time. Yep. Looking me in the eye like she's mm-hmm. happy about it. Mm-hmm. This smells like if vomit could drink. Like this smells so fucking bad, dude. I shook it. Oh.
1: It's very sugary. It's
0: it's so sugary. Mhm. But it's also like you can smell the alcohol. Oh yeah.
1: And I think it's, it's also a twelve point five percent.
0: Sure is. Okay. It's twenty-five proof. <laughs> I love when a Long Island Iced tea has a proof.
1: <laughs> As it should, honestly. As well you should. There um, should be that much booze in it. It's
0: That is true. That's yeah, the It's only a lot drink of booze. There's there's like maybe two drinks that deserve. To have a proof. And it's a oh, Long morning. Island, and then there's some other, like, drink, I'm sure, that has all the booze in it. Like
1: a hurricane. Yes. Yep.
0: Yes. It's got, like, six yep. different it's things just, in it. It's death. Well.
1: Well, <laughs> I want to see you try this.
0: Okay. Oh, so you're not going to try it with me? Oh, I know. Okay.
1: I know what's up. I've had this before. Okay. Oh.
0: Oh, there it is. That is so bad. There it is. Oh, it really is vomiting. There's yeah. something weirdly acidic and yeah. like
1: about it's it. It's the lemon. It's the lemon. Because it's artificial lemon that it's they just so dump
0: in. artificial. Yeah. Like it was a powder uh-huh. they mixed instead of just. Yeah. Uh, is it that hard to come across lemon juice or just say hey, you just add lemon? Just don't. Oh, my God. It's so bad, dude. I never in my life would have expected how bad that's, that is. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, Chi-Chi's needs to stick with the mudslides.
0: I guess we, yeah, like, Chi-Chi's, my dude, you found, you figured it out with the mudslide. Yeah. You did it it's right. good shit. Mm-hmm. And now here we are for Emily's story, which hopefully the tone of which does not match the drink. Uh... Okay. That's what I was afeared uh, of.
1: I, I wanted to go for something a little easier. Uh huh. This time, as you flinch. Um, but still topical. So let's reflect on the dangers of Christianity. Oh, I
0: always want to do that.
1: <laughs> my favorite thing. Especially when it's taken to an extreme mm-hmm. and made secretive and cult shaped.
0: Yes. Yes. And violent. Are we talking about Mormons? No. Shit.
1: Pentecostals.
0: Oh! Whoa! Okay, interesting. Uh-huh. We've got a lot of culty Christianity sects. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, And a lot of them are in power right now.
0: Yeah, this is great. Okay, that so uh,
1: I don't know if you heard about the Word of Life Christian Church back in
0: 2015
1: out of New York.
0: Word of Life. That does sound familiar. For so... Some reason.
1: October 2015, he is unfortunately not our survivor, 19-year-old Lucas Leonard from Chadwick's, New York passed away from injuries sustained during hours-long, quote, counseling sessions. Oh, no. At his church, the Word of Life Christian Church in
0: Chadwick's Oneida County, New York. A a counseling session that you pass away from? Yes. um, That sounds disingenuous, calling it that. Especially after someone has died. Yes. Well... Okay. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the church mm-hmm. began in 1984
1: mm-hmm. and had about five families, which totaled to about 35 members. An ex member who did not give her name to the press said the, the congregation was a makeshift family that had just been together for 25 years, living and worshiping in this building. Okay. Normal. Quote We weren't originally isolated from the community. But then over time, there was friction between the church and the neighboring community. Uh huh. As there often is with cults. Uh
0: huh. Even if they
1: claim not to be a cult.
0: Yeah. Well, they usually do, don't they? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Quote We put up hedges. Thanks. Then the neighbors got angry because they couldn't see what was going on anymore.
0: <laughs> okay, actually, that sounds like me. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> get your shit out of my backyard. And then as soon as I couldn't see it, I'd be like, well, my nosy ass wants yeah, to know what's happening. But, like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so, the ex-member said, I realize this situation makes it look like a cult, but if you listen to the teachings, they are accurate to the Bible.
0: Also, David the Koresh's teachings were technically accurate to the Bible. Also, what is accurate to the Bible? The Bible's right. been re- redone so many times, retranslated yep. with different people's different agendas. Yes. Yep.
1: The cops also were like, well, we can't say for sure if it was or wasn't a cult.
0: Okay. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but police had said they'd been called to the church on a handful of occasions um, with Church member complaints about noise and disorderly conduct. Um, Our survivor, Christopher, is Lucas's younger brother. Okay. So at the time of the incident, Lucas was 19 and Christopher was 17.
0: Hi. Hi, Christopher. I'm really worried about you already.
1: So during this counseling session, Uh they were repeatedly beaten by parishioners. And among those who were indicted and later convicted were Leonard's own, the Leonard's, so Lucas and Christopher's own parents and older half-sister.
0: So they were, like, there at the time? Oh, yes. Oh, my God.
1: Now, the Word of Life Christian Church reportedly started out as your standard, ordinary Pentecostal church. Great. Great. But then Pastor Jerry Irwin took control. And he was charismatic. And, and he started shaming hmm. people and taking control of hmm. other members. I, I've never
0: heard this type of origin hmm. story before.
1: Yeah. And then his family was also involved, Jerry Irwin's family. Hmm. One of Irwin's relatives accused Lucas of having been involved with witchcraft and voodoo. Okay. Mind you, they are white. All right. (laughs) And uh, these accusations were refuted by the police, which I'm not sure how the police refuted it. Now, why do you think Lucas was beaten? What culty reason could Lucas have been beaten for? Think Jonestown.
0: Is it just like the idea that he was being like a every cult has a different name for somebody who no longer believes Uh uh-huh like a like a apostate yes if you're a mormon um something like that
1: yeah he wanted to leave
0: okay yeah yeah he no longer wanted to be a part of this they hate it when you want to
1: leave yeah they really fucking do yeah um but he was like you know what i i want out i don't want to be here anymore i don't like it here which is fair
0: good for him at 19 like yeah. he must have known that for most of his life and yeah he must have had seriously like an uh-oh feeling of like actually this doesn't yeah. seem right
1: yeah so that prompted a counseling session this sounds like it's
0: going to be torture m
1: which was meant to counsel <laughs> on the spiritual state of lucas and his younger brother christopher oh no so did christopher also
0: want to leave I think so,
1: or he was just caught up in it and knew information
0: Mm. and they were
1: trying to gain control or they were seeing
0: Maybe seeing him slip away a little bit. Similar, yeah. Sure.
1: During the sessions this is not the light. Mm. The teens were beaten with a cord like think extension cord and then they folded it up a few times Oh. and lucas suffered injuries so severe that emergency room doctors thought he had been shot
0: whoa
1: yeah um a witness at a probable cause hearing told the judge that the counseling session lasted 14 hours
0: i just feel like that's not a counseling session
1: yeah uh beginning sunday night and ending monday morning Daniel Irwin, which if you remember the last name of the man who took over the church. Yes. Um, Daniel Irwin, who lives at the church, said the session ended because people thought Lucas had died.
0: And they were correct, it seems. They were
1: correct. Um. So family members took Lucas by car that afternoon to a hospital in Utica, where he was pronounced dead.
0: It makes me wonder, like, what else would have stopped this? It was fourteen hours. It was fourteen hours, and someone had to die to make yeah. it stop. So, like, I'm when pretty were sure you... the
1: only thing that would have stopped it would have been Lucas saying he was going to stay. Yeah, but with how severely he was
0: beaten, how who knows if he was like conscious or yeah. able to say yep. anything like that?
1: Um, and also we know mob mentality, and this was a group of people. They mm-hmm. ended up indicting eight people in they're, his death.
0: They already have that mentality because they're in a cult. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then you get, like, the the frenzy of whatever they're creating in that room.
1: And then the father, Bruce Leonard, when they were at the hospital, was already trying to cover their asses. It's like, oh, did
0: you just realize that this is a crime? That this is bad? Just now?
1: Um, he accused Lucas and Christopher of abusing children and molesting children as justification for his injuries. Um... An allegation that the police have said is unfounded.
0: Like, there's no evidence There's literally no evidence
1: of it whatsoever. Um, Those allegations also came out against Christopher. The only place I could find anything talking about it Mm -hmm. was super religious websites.
0: It's like way to defame your own sons to save your ass. Yep. Because you literally can't admit to what you did. Yeah. You have to make them pedophiles.
1: Yep. And the thing is, like, the children that were in the cult were taken by the state and heavily interviewed and met, like, they researched the allegations, they went through the correct Mm. processes with it, and none of the children.
0: And we know it's actually pretty easy to get a kid to do a false confession of that sort of thing if you lead them a certain way. So if they were like, no. They
1: didn't even have time to coach the kids. Mm. So, Christopher was also later hospitalized. Due to several blunt force trauma injuries during that same church session. I imagine. And they're still not really sure why Christopher was beaten. Like, it's
0: never really So, there's literally just speculation. mm mm-hmm. um, He could have said one thing in favor of his brother. Yeah. And it landed in and there.
1: And odds are he was probably trying to protect his brother.
0: I mean, it's his older brother. Yeah. Like, he probably looked up to him. Yeah. Ugh, that sucks.
1: So... Autopsy showed that Lucas suffered multiple contusions from blunt force trauma to the torso and extremities. Um, a combination of the injuries plus the duration of the assault contributed to his death. Unfortunately, this is also not the light. The beatings included blows to the genital area of the teens.
0: Ah. Which again, it makes no fucking sense. Right, unless, like, they really had a thought that, like, maybe you want to leave because you want to go and live a normal life of, like, a normal teenager. You want to go and have sex and do drugs and, like. You've been
1: corrupted by the devil. Mm -hmm. We're going to beat it out of you. Um, Doctors said that the injury to Lucas's groin area specifically is what looked like an entry wound. Like, he was beat so hard, it looked like he'd been shot.
0: That's so fucked up.
1: Yes. The counseling session was attended by about 30
0: people. So they, like, 30 people witnessed that. Mm-hmm. The, the entire thing? Or people came and went? Like, I think people came and went. Either way, awful. Um,
1: and witnesses saw their father strike Lucas repeatedly in the back with what they thought was a belt, but it was later found to be the cord.
0: Mm.
1: Um, and Christopher was also struck repeatedly in the back. Um, someone, one of the witnesses had left because they wanted to move the five young children to another room after hearing a loud, a quote, loud noise from the session.
0: Hmm. A loud noise could be a lot of things. Yeah. Louder than all the other noises, especially.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the Irwin brothers came to the other Irwin brother when they ended the session and was like, oh my god, Lucas is dead. Like, freaking out.
0: Yeah, like, oh, we actually straight up murdered somebody just now. Yeah.
1: So, Erwin's mother, who's, like, part of the head of the church, mm-hmm.
0: was trying to perform CPR on Lucas. Oh. Now you, now you care just because, like, you're gonna go to jail if he dies. Yep. Now didn't, it's a problem. Didn't think about what you were doing to his body no. that
1: whole time. Because they'd probably done it before. mm mm-hmm. um, And Christopher was hysterical, which... Yes. Yes. Uh, And was also in a lot of pain.
0: I mean, Christ, I can't even believe he was, like, conscious.
1: Yeah. The witnesses uh, told the court that they had seen Lucas earlier during the counseling session, quote, rolling around and making a sustained monotone noise, which if anyone has ever heard a death rattle, Mm. that tends to be a monotone noise. Like, um... Yeah. I would have thought it being a little bit more breathy, but mm-hmm. if it's no, it's weird. It's fucking weird. Ugh. Um, if you've never heard a death rattle,
0: don't don't try to avoid the try situation. to avoid it
1: because it's it's fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up because it's not what you think it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, my ass is listening to too many 911 calls. Yeah, I've heard that's...
0: many a death rattle. That doesn't sound good at all. Uh-huh. Maybe just don't listen to 911 calls. Like, okay, as a general like, thought from me, um, your friend, Taylor, don't listen to those. I don't go, like, out of my way. I feel like you have, in in some cases, gone out of your way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know that in some cases you did listen to it for very specific reasons. I'm usually for this podcast. Yes, of course. But, come on. <laughs> Sword and scale.
1: <laughs> Anyways. Uh-huh. Bruce Leonard was in a corner. The father. Yeah. So he kind of had to admit oh, yeah, that I he did, fucked I up.
0: I beat my sons with the of their life. Yeah. Other
1: fucked up thing. The mother hmm. um, did admit that she hit Lucas with a cord. The police removed a cord from the back of a computer and asked her to demonstrate how she hit him on video. Mm. So she took the cord and struck the table violently. Ooh. Yeah, it was oh, fucked up. Ow. I mean, I can't imagine how much that
0: ends up hurting.
1: The mother's attorney tried to garner sympathy. Of course.
0: Mm-hmm. I was
1: like, I can't imagine my client had anything to do with these injuries, especially in the condition that she's in. As she had to have a stent put into, uh, due to a heart condition hmm. and required constant medical attention.
0: Yeah. Like she confessed to it, so mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what that argument is. It's like, well, she couldn't have, but she said she did, and then she demonstrated it. Yeah. So she can. She, she and can. And she did. <laughs> Fun
1: fact: Bruce Leonard was a teaching assistant
0: at schools. Great, more children, children. Need to be around. Awesome. You're yeah. a cult member. Awesome.
1: He he worked in the special education department.
0: Fuck. That's too much power. Uh-huh. That sucks.
1: He was, quote, a very hard worker with and was exceptionally compassionate about Fuck. his work with our students. It came as quite a shock.
0: Fuck you. Like I just I think I think you misread the situation, my dude. Like that doesn't sound right at all.
1: I the mean children, it's always
0: the quiet, normal ones, yep, isn't it? Because this is a cult. The children were homeschooled. Mm-hmm. They
1: weren't he taught at a school, but his children did not attend school. That is that school. so
0: fucking weird that he was mm-hmm. allowed to teach at a school. He was school, a certified teaching assistant. But his children could not attend said yep. school. That is so fucking weird. Yep. You would think that he'd also be under the same controls as a member of the cult. Yep. That's so weird.
1: Um. So, Christopher did testify. Mm. Uh, his testimony lasted only about 20 minutes, but... Was goosebump-inducing.
0: Was mm. um, like a he, transcript.
1: Yeah, uh. he talked about how both he and his brother were interrogated and then beaten by relatives and church members. Um, while they were restrained at times, the pastor would ask them to explain what they had done.
0: Did they, which is
1: also a cult tactic. You're going to admit to shit, right. That you probably didn't do. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give you the exacts of what you need to admit to, but you're going to just start admitting to things to get us to
0: stop. That's also a, a police yep. interrogation tactic. Yep. To be like, oh, we already know what you've done, but why don't you tell us? hmm <laughs> Okay. That's insane. I would never. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Nope. Fuck you. Um, he did also have to testify against his half-sister.
0: Because she was there. Yep. Ugh.
1: Um, And then Joe Irwin, who was part of the Irwin family, Mm -hmm. quote, from Christopher, Um, Joe Irwin came over, grabbed me by the sweatshirt, counted to three, and then he punched me in the
0: stomach.
1: Um, Joseph Irwin was the son of Jerry Irwin. Jerry Irwin died in 2012. Okay. So much like cults, the family stayed in control.
0: Right. Even though the figurehead passed away. Right. Was it his sons in control or what, like his wife, wife or anything? Yeah, see, that happens a lot, I mm-hmm. think. To me, that feels like secretly the woman was always in control. Yep. And she was letting her husband be a figurehead.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, Christopher described being hit everywhere except his head. And it was being beaten by a long black cord that was about four feet long that was folded once or twice.
0: Oh, that sounds like it hurt so bad. Yes.
1: And that's, he says it, it hurt. And that the pain of the injuries continued the whole time that he was in the hospital and afterward.
0: Mm. So he
1: was able to walk in to do his testimony unassisted. So he was able to walk in on his own, which was great. That's good. Um, But yeah, he had a long, long road to go. Mm. Uh, He was asked during testimony if he tried to defend himself. And he's like, yes, I held my hands out to stop the whip, <laughs> which means he probably got hit in the hands yeah. quite a few times. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, So, the person actually in charge was not the wife, although I think she is still alive, but the daughter. Oh. So, I Tiffany Irwin... Tiffany. ...had become the church's pastor and had called on Christopher and Lucas to stand in the small sanctuary area in front of church's leadership and the Leonard family to answer questions.
0: So, she kicked all that off being like, yeah. okay, we need to interrogate you guys because you did something, quote-unquote. Yeah,
1: they were saying that someone was practicing witchcraft.
0: <laughs> Why is that the go-to? I don't fucking know. Somebody could just want to leave. You um, don't need them to be a witch yeah. or a Yeah, according <laughs> to one
1: of the Irwin brothers' statements, Lucas had admitted that he wanted church elders to die and that he considered making a voodoo doll of a church leader. I don't know... When this admission came out, I am guessing it was during the beating. Which, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I would also want church leaders to die if they were beating the shit out of me. Also
0: true, but also like that's why torture doesn't work. Yes. Like he could have just been saying what he they wanted. He would have just said whatever, whatever the fuck they like, wanted. Did during, you make you you a do voodoo doll? Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Yeah. Uh huh. Will that make you stop hitting me? Yeah.
1: Are we done? Can we right. be done? Um. So. Mm. Again, they tried to say while well, they were abusing children, and both the prosecutor and the cops are like, nope, nope, I we s- have all the proof right here that that is incorrect.
0: I simply do not think so. No. Like, we love to catch those guys. This New- is not the case. <laughs> New lie, please. Yeah. <laughs> Pick another one. You, people just, they would use that because it's the worst thing you yeah. can be.
1: It makes, it makes for a strong reaction. And
0: it makes people way less sympathetic. Yeah. Immediately.
1: Yeah.
0: It. Um.
1: So at times the boys were restrained. Because I mean obviously they were screaming and flailing and trying to fight back. Right. Um. So that's why some of the church members got charged. Because they were helping. Yeah. Rather than stopping it.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised everybody there wasn't charged. Like anybody who stopped in wasn't charged with like manslaughter. Or something.
1: Yeah. Here's, I think they could only do the people that they knew for sure
0: hmm.
1: were there sure. and stayed and actively participated. Yeah. And probably made some deals with other people who were in the room like, hey, we won't charge you.
0: Yes, that's true. If you
1: fucking talk to us.
0: There's gotta be, I know it's it's something. It's like if you are a bystander yeah. and you don't act in a yeah. moment where you could have, Yeah. you can be charged with something.
1: Yeah. And I mean technically because Christopher was 17 mm-hmm. it would it could be child abuse which is not a good thing to be charged with.
0: yeah but. generally. but yeah, it's probably true like you that that's a, the kind of charge where it's like well we'll make it go away if you tell us yeah. what you saw.
1: you need to be a witness and you need to give statements right. at grand jury and all of the hearings that go before big trials. So the brothers were separated when this was happening. And Christopher, while he was giving his testimony, said that when he wasn't being beaten, he was being put in their sanctuary building, which was a former gymnasium at the back of the church, mm-hmm. and was told to sit in a corner and then was wearing headphones with earmuffs to mute the sound of his brother's interrogation. Oh. So that then they could swap their places. Yeah. And try and, like, figure out, well, you're telling a different story. Right.
0: But literally of a thing they don't understand. Yes. It's like they're interrogating them for a specific crime. Yep. That doesn't seem to exist. Correct. And that was never explained. Wonderful.
1: Later, Christopher was brought back and saw his brother on the ground moaning. Um, he also tried to help give CPR. Um, Christopher went with them to the hospital but did not go inside. Because they didn't want to show another yes. kid who yeah. was beaten. Yeah. So, he was later driven to a Home Depot parking lot near the hospital where he was trying to rest while they were working on Christopher, but he was just vomiting. Because he's been through severe trauma and needed to go to the hospital, but they weren't going to yeah. take him to the hospital. Might have had internal bleeding. Yep, probably did. I think he did. Uh-huh. Um, he was then brought back to the church. Daniel Irwin, who's Tiffany's brother. Mm-hmm. Tried to make up a mattress and a blanket and a pillow for him, and brought him some food and water.
0: Now you give a shit because <laughs> you don't want him to die too. Yep.
1: <laughs> um, that evening, Christopher was able to get a hold of a phone and call the police.
0: Oh, good. And the
1: police were like, "Hey, come outside. Just come outside." Just, just leave the building. We're here. We're here. Come outside.
0: <laughs>
1: we don't want you in there. Yeah. They're going to kill you. Yeah. Please come outside. And then they took him to the hospital.
0: Good. Where he... They were either going to kill him or they were going to let oh, him die. Like, yeah. if he was dying, they would yes. not have helped.
1: So he did finally get help. Mm. And then, unfortunately, had to testify against family members.
0: Right. Uh. At that point, I'd be like, yeah, my white-hot hatred allows me to do this just fine, guilt-free.
1: The prosecutor was like, yeah, he did great. And they looked at everyone, and they were pursuing charges. They added charges. Mm. They were looking at whether or not they could charge with murder. Yeah. It's not as easy as the TV makes it.
0: No. (laughs) You have
1: to have a lot of proof to even go for murder, too. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. A uh, Proof that they were trying to yes. kill him. Yeah. Um,
1: so, the parents, the sister, the parents were charged with first-degree manslaughter. The sister was charged with felony assault, along with the son of the former pastor. Um, and then two other congregants were also charged with assault. Hmm. But they were adding gang assault as well, because it was a group effort. Sure and
0: depraved indifference depraved indifference is a great one going as many charges as they could see that's maybe what i was trying to like i didn't think it was called that but it's like the idea of someone like you know being a bystander and you You know know someone is in
1: imminent danger depraved acts
0: and you are not you You are not not acting acting. yeah that's depraved indifference is fucking epic Good so, name.
1: prosecutor Mr. McNamara mm-hmm. said that he was very impressed by Christopher's bravery in facing his half-sister. Um, quote, we asked a lot of a very young man. Mm. I can't imagine the stress he was under. Yeah. So, they ended up charging nine people for the assaults on Lucas. Mm. So, the father, Bruce, um, who whips the boys during the session, pled guilty to felony assault.
0: Good, fuck you, you are.
1: Yep. And was sentenced to 10 years in state prison.
0: Whatever. Deborah, the
1: mother, um, who also admitted to whipping them during the session, uh, also pled guilty to felony assault, Mm. was sentenced to five years in state prison. Mm -hmm. Uh, The half-sister, Sarah Ferguson, was sentenced to 25 years in prison. What? After being convicted in 2016 of manslaughter and assault. Um, I believe she was a primary... Attacker.
0: So she was one of the main people yeah. doing the assaulting.
1: Because she was like 33. Interesting. At the time of the attack. Okay. Pastor Tiffany Irwin, who had called for the counseling session and oversaw the events, uh, was sentenced to 12 years in a state prison for manslaughter. Good. So, not protected by the church. Yeah. Weird. Huh. When a murder happens, you shouldn't protect... members of the church i'm
0: actually surprised by that Hmm. like it's so Uh rare for like the head of the church or any cult or whatever to ever see consequences because people will step forward and protect them or they'll go on the run with all the money they've got or some shit yep
1: uh joseph Irwin, brother to tiffany Irwin, was sentenced to eight years in prison for gang assault which was not a charge i'd heard of before gang assault is an interesting one sense yeah uh, David Morey, who helped hold him, was uh, uh, convicted and sentenced to five years in prison for assault. And probably, like, other smaller charges that they're just not listing off. Mm. Linda, who is the husband of David, who had pulled the power cord out of the closet, was sentenced to five years in prison for assault.
0: So it's like It was your idea, so yep. you get to go to prison too. Yep.
1: <laughs> Tracy Irwin, the mother, and Daniel Irwin, the other brother, both pled guilty to unlawful imprisonment. Okay. Tracy was sentenced to one year for each count and was set free after serving a year and five months in jail. Hmm. Daniel received two years in jail and was set free after serving one year and
0: five months. I hate that they got, like, they're, they're members of the main family and yep. they get the lightest sentences.
1: Because, yep. you know, Daniel tried to give them a pillow and make them a little bed. So kind. Give him some food and water.
0: It's literally your family's fault that they were in that room. Yep. Like, And you were part of it. Yep. Great. Doing great. Yeah. Like, good for Christopher. He, I didn't yeah. realize like, he saved his own ass. Like, he figured out how yeah. to find a phone and yep. called the police. Yep. And the police were like, hey! Hey! I remember you! Oh, that poor kid. Yeah. I wonder if Christopher ever fully understood, like, why he was also there. Like, maybe we'll never know, but if he ever got it,
1: I don't know because like there that would haven't eat been at me. a ton of interviews with him. The story didn't catch a lot of
0: media attention outside of New York. Plus, I can understand if he didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, he was also seventeen. They can't make him talk. No, but like I, I just feel like that would eat at me if I were him. Of like, I don't even know why. Like, why me? Yeah. Why did I have to? Because well, and why
1: of... did his family right. do that to them?
0: Yeah. To like.
1: To know that, it, like it was your father and mother, yeah, and steps or half sister,
0: and like maybe he knew that about them. Maybe he knew that they were cruel like that beforehand. But if he didn't, to like see that that they are capable of that for the first time and have it result in his brother's death. Is, well, and like...
1: like the fact that they called it a counseling session and that it was very obvious this has been done before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So who else has been beaten? Right. Ugh.
0: Everything's normal and fine in a cult. Always. I've never met a cult I didn't like. Oh. (laughs) Don't take that out of context. That was a bit. I'm doing a bit. (laughs) Nope.
1: I have quote for the next image.
0: Emily. (laughs) You're not going to remember this. I'm going to hand you the quotes you're not going to remember. Emily, stop typing. I don't have your memory. Emily, stop typing.
1: (laughs) Didn't like Taylor. Damn it. Oh, 2022 2022 yeah please
0: put <laughs> the year i yep. said it there you go vital <laughs> thank you guys for joining us on this uh this was kind of a sad one it was a sneaky sad one there was um, nothing sneaky about this one it was just sad i guess for me i was i was snuck up upon because uh you didn't tell me ahead of time that it was gonna be really sad because sometimes you're like taylor oh this one's gonna be fucking crazy. i told you this one was short Yes, you told me it was short, (laughs) not that it was sad. And I guess like I knew mine was sad, but I was just trying to get it done and thinking of all the different logistics of it so much that I didn't register how sad it was until I was reading it out loud to you. So to me, (laughs) this was sneaky. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (sighs) Uh, um, You should definitely honestly, I'm gonna be like, you should be like Vincent. Yeah, because he I wish he had survived. Like, I wish he, there had been time, but he saved a bunch of people's lives, and he, like, walked back toward the danger knowing he was going to do that instead of live, and that's yeah. epic. I don't want you sacrificing your life out there left and right, but, like, her- heroicism is um, hard to come by, and yeah. it's nice to see. Genuine. Yes. For real. And you should be like Christopher. You should.
1: And like Lucas. I mean, he yeah. made it through 14 hours yeah. Probably more like 12 hours before passing.
0: I'm sure he fought as hard as he could.
1: And he probably took a brunt of it so Christopher didn't have to. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I would believe that. But Christopher also saving his own butt, which we always appreciate. Yes. We love it when people... And cops
1: who didn't fuck him over.
0: Hey, we love that for them. Sounds Rare. like they were doing the job right this wow. time. Wild. Love it. Wild. Great. When cops
1: actually do their job.
0: Even one oh. time, one time. Oof. Oh good stuff. Well thanks everybody. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with episode one oh six. Maybe ooh, it will ooh. be exactly as sad as this. Uh, maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. We should do one where we're like, this one's not gonna be sad. Oh. No sad stories allowed. Okay. Do you wanna try to do that for the next one? Just just like a light just like a like a like an amuse-bouche of an app.
1: Yeah, I've got one. I've got one. You've got one? I've got one. You've already got one in mind? Mm-hmm. All right. I have a list of like 50 tailors. I mean,
0: yes, but you already had it in your head of yeah. like, this one's not sad?
1: Yeah. All right. I think it's not sad.
0: Motherfucker. If it's <laughs> sad and you start doing it, you have to stop. You have to do a different. It's one. got ice cream. That sounds great. I mean, as long yeah. as it's not no one dies and puts their blood in the ice cream or their spit in the ice cream or their jizz in the ice cream, they have to look at it. Or they're. <laughs> <laughs> Emily. <laughs> okay. Um. That's what we're gonna do next episode. Yeah. A light, happy episode. Yeah. We'd love to see it. All right. Okay. I hope you guys have a really good rest of your next couple weeks till we see you again. And otherwise, I hope that uh, you never, ever, ever, no matter what, forget your can of Miranda rights. Miranda rights. Uh, if you don't
1: word. know your Miranda rights, you should learn them. Yeah. Because cops won't be saying them to you i
0: was gonna say are they're still true you just they just don't have yeah. to say them yep they just great. don't have to say them great love it uh, bye bye, bye.